Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watch 100 Isekai with your host, Zaku, and your other host... Thermites, that's me. Good. Now, what are we watching today, Thermite? Uh, we are watching Endride from 2016. Uh, it is written out as Endoraido in Japanese, and it actually started as a you know one of those collaborations now where it is just like we're going to launch an entire empire right from the starts. In this case... Uh. In this case, the anime did come first, but it was being announced alongside a smartphone game named Endride Cross Fragments. And the cross, of course, is just an X, but you pronounce it Crossu. Ah, uh, okay. It's not Endride X Fragments or just Endride Fragments. No. In the native Japanese, it is Endoraido Crossu Fragmentsu. Well, out of pure spite, I will just call it Endride Fragments. Oh, no. <laughs> You gotta pronounce the X, isn't that what? You, isn't that your stance in most things that you should pronounce the X? Listen, I want a fucking consistent decision whether it's an X, it's a cross, or it's just an imaginary word sign that you put in there because you want to. You can't have it mm -hmm. both ways. Well, I mean, my current stance, of course, is that Hunter Hunter is pronounced Hunter Hunter and not Hunter X Hunter or N Hunter Cross Hunter. So I guess I should be pronouncing this Endride fragments <laughs> of course you should but you're not gonna because you keep indulging these motherfuckers and that's why they keep doing it <laughs> <laughs> you can't let them keep getting away with this so uh before this like do you know anything about endride because i will say right now it completely passed me over when it came out i know nothing about the series i did not realize this was an isekai i remember when it came out I saw someone talk about it vaguely in a seasonal preview, and I remember that the word gacha game fell in a common, like, sentence with this, uh, with this title. I don't uh, know anything else about this. Okay. Well, <laughs> here's hoping this is a good one. Oh, well, you know, hoping never hurts. Sometimes all we have is hope. Well, then, uh, can you count us down to sync up the episode? Of course. Uh, if you do not have the episode by yourself, please listen to the sounds of our voices, and hopefully they will be good. If not, uh, who knows? Really, really hoping that this is a good episode. Also, because we've had a bad track record with talking about bad episodes of bad anime. <laughs> <laughs> well, mediocre episodes of mediocre anime. Sure, fine. I think that's fair. Starting in three, two, one. And we're here at the recap segment for this episode of Endride. Oh boy. We're going to be recapping this. Fair warning. I am mainly going to refer to the characters as old Sora. Or Sora for short. Because the main character looks like Sora from Kingdom Hearts plus like five years. Uh -huh. And young Sinbad. or well, Sinbad for short. Because uh, the other main character looks like Sinbad from Magi, minus, like, ten years. Well, as, as long as you're consistent with it, it should be fine. Like, if these are yes. the only names that our beautiful audience knows, then they won't be confused. The only problem is going to be if you break this facade. Uh, don't worry. My facade is hard and uncracking. My facade is like a mountain face. Ah. And much like a mountain face, this episode... Oh, uh, Endride is also hard to get through. 
So it starts. Yes. We start off with Sora waking up in his bed and looking out at the sun outside while a mysterious man with purple hair, which I'm going to call Sinbad for the rest of this episode, yes. is looking at a thing that might be the sun, but it is, in effect, a giant emerald floating in the sky, mm. in a green sky. The opening plays. This opening has, like, some major BL undertones. Oh, yeah, these boys want to, they want to get together. Mm-hmm. Mm. And besides, it's mainly a slideshow of various characters. There's also and sort of like a to... fart rainbow in the sky. Oh, yeah, was there? Oh, wild. Oh, yeah. We cut to um Sora in a shop, in a, like, gemstone shop? You need to, what you need to know about Sora is this boy fucking loves rocks. Dude, he gets oh, his yeah. rocks off of rocks. Kid, rocks, match made in heaven, in rock heaven, because he loves rocks a lot. Crystals, to be specific, but, uh... I also do want to specify, like, when we say a rock shop, like, it isn't a, like, diamond shop or, like, a jewelry place. It is a place where they just have all sorts of different rocks and minerals. And they do seem to be relatively affordable, since he shows up here all the time. Yeah, although mainly to gawk at them. And he Mm. looks at a certain rock called... The diamond, not diamond, uh, garden quartz. Yes, garden quartz is very important. Yes, and we get the line that he thinks there's an unseen world within each crystal. It's going to come back a lot. How poetic. in this episode alone. We go outside and we see that it's slightly in the future, that that is like a slightly futuristic monorail and everyone has slightly weird looking phones. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, talk. <laughs> we, we see him uh, briefly walking with his friends, who look very, very generic. <laughs> yeah, we get a brief montage of him being at school. Mm-hmm. And then get a cut to him eating dinner at home with his mother, where he repeats that line about there being a different world in each crystal again. <laughs> and she's like, oh, wow. You know what must have inspired it? The Garden Quartz. Thermite. Mm. Can you yes. look up for a view as if the Garden Quartz is a real rock? I think it's just a normal rock, but, uh... Uh, yeah, Garden Quartz is a very common kind of quartz. It's also known right. as Landscape Quartz, Scenic Quartz. Like, it's called Garden Quartz because, you know, it's very common. Yeah. We, he talks a little bit with his mom. His mom says that she, he wants her to get back into research again, whatever that means. It's presumed that she's a stay-at-home mom because he was, you know, too young to take care of himself until now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's from what it seems like the job probably also involves rocks. Yeah. Uh, we find out that it's his dad birth- dad's birthday this weekend, and they hope he'll actually show up this year because <laughs> he's so busy with work, he never has actual time for them. Snap! Another montage of daily life stuff. It's Saturday. It's his dad's birthday. (laughs) This montage involves looking at pictures of rocks, drawing rocks, going to the rock store. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot stress how much this kid is fucking obsessed with random rocks and crystals. It's insane. He's just in class doodling a rock. And if you, you can't tell how dumb doodling a rock looks, it's kind of just <laughs> drawing like a squiggly shape. If you don't know what you're 
what it is. Listen, every main character is the main character for a reason, and this is the main character of a series of rocks. Yeah. Well, everyone at the household is very upset about his dad being a no-show. His mom's like, ah, well, you know, let's just celebrate his dad's birthday. We're about to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the kid's like, nah, I'm going to call him. And dad just doesn't pick up at his lab because he has to go look at the important reports. Yeah, we see his dad's the... just kind of like walking around, looking at giant laptops. Yeah, that all have blue computer screens because in the future, all screens are blue and only blue. <laughs> It's like we've gone full circle back to DOS again. Um, yeah. So, uh, because he really, really wants his dad to show up for his own birthday, Sora goes to visit his dad at his workplace. He just kind of uh, waltzes in there. And as he does that, we cut over to Sinbad. I mean, before you say that, I, I do want to point out, life. like... Like, he does have to, like, sign in with a personal authentica- uh, authentication system that uses, like, hieroglyphs instead of numbers. Oh, yes. I forgot. He has to, there's a fingerprint scanner. It's a whole thing. It's the future. Yeah, I guess. I just did not consider it terribly relevant to everything that's going on. Okay. Um, well, we cut to Sinbad brandishing a cartoonishly large knife. Or have a cartoonishly broad knife. Mm-hmm. As he readies himself, as we have an intercut montage of Sora going up the elevator at his dad's workplace to find his dad's office, and Sinbad infiltrating some kind of palace and beating up some soldiers. Mm-hmm. As Sora reaches his dad's office near the top floor, he smiles as he sees that his dad does actually have a picture of his family on his desk. And he notices in a case near the desk a strange bluing crystal in a case. Hmm... And uh, as we see, suddenly that as he touches that crystal, it expands massively into a giant portal thing. And oh boy, look, it's like there's an entire world <laughs> in that crystal. We did it. Burr, burr, air horns, symbolism, <laughs> it all rhymes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine making Star Wars references in two consecutive episodes? That's us. <laughs> Now, it's also important to note that the crystal expands, it creates a portal, but then the crystal is still small because the the crystal comes out of the portal and goes into his heart. Yes, 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 yes. But the portal is still there. Checks a portal. Yeah, the crystal mm-hmm. goes, swoops into him. Mm-hmm. Back in fantasy world, a budget Sinbad is sneaking up on a sleeping man and tries to assassinate him over the knife. But the man, without opening his eyes, catches his hand <laughs> and uh, makes him drop the na- dagger. Yeah. Uh, we find out that the man with big rat bastard energy in that bed is um, the current king, Delzane, who apparently sa- who says that, um, who asks uh, Sinbad if he wants to avenge his father of the former king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, tells him that at least he should be trying to take the throne for himself and not just doing this to, uh, for, and he should not just be doing this for revenge. Sinbad, or rather Emilio, because we actually do get his name in this episode. But you'd better keep calling him Sinbad or else this is going to be completely unfollowable. <laughs> yeah, he's very upset at this, and they fight, and uh, they both pull weapons out of glowy spots on their chests, which are presumably also crystals. Mm-hmm. Sinbad has a spear, and uh, Delzane has a thing. 
kind of like a trident with two hilts that or, come yeah. back together in the middle. Yeah, sort it's, of. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a two-handled a quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> like it's got four pointy bits. <laughs> It looks like like something you'd have as a wall ornament, not as like a wall hanger weapon, just as a wall ornament, but she ripped it off and just was trying to stab someone with it. Yeah, and for how weird and clunky it is, like he does fight with it very well. Oh yeah, he kicks Sinbad's ass completely, and he almost like kills him, but he spares him and is like, put this bitch in a dungeon. It's and honestly so really does. cool seeing this incredibly impractical weapon being used very well. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they are cheating a bit because most of the animated scenes where it's fight where he's fighting, he's kind of keeping it off screen. You only see like what the tip of it does, not like he, <laughs> how he's actually managing to steer it, or how he's getting enough leverage to stop a spear thrust while he's holding it like halfway down the hilts. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the choreography is a little fudged. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, he wins. Um, yeah, and Sinbad gets thrown into the dungeon. The dungeon, of course, has, uh, uh like, sort diagonal like bars? Diagonal bars at, like, a small cave in a big cave? Yeah, like, this is, it does not feel like this is a place they made. It feels like an alcove they found, and they just kind of, like, slammed some, uh, diagonal bars into it. Yeah. Ah, some bars would be real nice right about here. <laughs> we cut back to Sinbad's past when he was but a tiny baby child, getting his hair done by a maid, and he was like, Uh, oh, you have the, uh, the, the eyes of your father, she says. He's like, oh, I wish I had eyes like the new king, because he's strong and cool, and he <laughs> doesn't afraid of anybody. <laughs> And uh, he was, he's, we see him walking around the castle a bit, and he overhears the maids later on talking about the fact, like, oh, isn't it a shame that he's so, that he, he likes Del Zane so much, his father's enemy? And he's like, my father's enemy? And thus he swears lifelong vengeance on Del Zane. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he finds out more about this? I mean, but the way he acts seems know. like he, this might be all he knows. <laughs> He rambles for a short while about, like, you know, the, the, the difficulty of being in the middle of the struggle of the uh, throne as we see some blood-red coloring expand across a black background with Sinbad in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we see him training with a sword as he's a bit older as Zane walks past him in an extremely baller outfit. Oh it's my like god. An armor, it's got the Millennium Eye in its chest, it's got dragon wings and a cape. Like These dragon Christ. wings, like, they're very small, like, it's not ridiculous, but at the same time, it's a very I am the evil king look. It's like the dragon wings on master rank or G rank Raffalos armor. Mm -hmm. As we know, I have to make one, I have to, Fermite, I have to yes. make at least one reference per episode that only 30% maximum of the audience will get, That's but it's not this podcast. You either have a lot of faith in the types of people who are going to be listening to this podcast, or not a lot of faith in how many people are going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Would it surprise you if I say it's both? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, anyway, this outfit is incredible, Drip. Just amazing. And she gives Dilzane an incredible look of hatred in this scene. Sinbad makes a good face here. And, um... Mm -hmm. 
yes. We go uh, back into the dungeon as he's struggling and just cursing and hitting the ground, and then suddenly there's a bright flash of light, and who's here? Hey, it's Sora. Not behind <laughs> bars, outside, very confused where is... the fuck he is and what's going on. Well, he is teleported in at the top of a large stairway, and then he proceeds to fall down all the stairs. <laughs> uh... Sora's confused, and they uh, bicker for a bit about what's going on, and suddenly soldiers show up looking to check out Ruckus, and a giant Fisher-Price sword manifests from Sora's chest, which he uses to beat the soldiers. This sword, 100%. I don't think Android was very well merchandised, but it looks like a toy. It definitely looks like you can buy this at Toys R Us, but it's a little shorter. A little shorter and a little bit more made of foam. There are three very big red buttons on it that feel very pressable. <laughs> Hit the lever, bop it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, <laughs> anyway, he wins against the soldiers with the magic energy waves. The um, uh, <laughs> uh, did he shoot? Meanwhile, in the real world, his father notices that the rock is missing, and also his son is missing. <laughs> well. <laughs> I feel like it is a combination, like, he looks at the big case that had the tiny rock in it, sees that it's open, and without missing a beat, he lifts his phone to his <laughs> to his ear and then immediately asks his mom, Is Shun there with you? <laughs> Did Shun steal my rocks? He knows the son. <laughs> if I know one thing about my son, it's that he's one rock-loving boy. <laughs> Ah, back in Fantasyland, we're outside. They have successfully escaped the cave dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, Sora suggests that they should go into hiding, but Sinbad says that they'll be found anyway. Uh, Sinbad tries to make some other suggestions for what they could be doing, but uh, Sora brushes off all suggestions, goes all, what the fuck, who the fuck cares what you're saying? My way to highway. And he wields the swords and yells, Grant me strength, Excalibur. <laughs> he does that? There's no thing that happens. I mean, He's just being a fucking weeb. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those moments where I remember when we were watching this, I had a big feeling of this is anime, so is this the inexplicable this is going to work? Or is this a gag? And it is, in fact, a gag. <laughs> yeah. They talk a bit more, and Sinbad tells him to put his sword away, and Sora asks, How? Sinbad is befuddled about how little he knows about anything. Just things. <laughs> he tells them to think about the thing that relaxes him the most, to put the weapon away. Uh -huh. And Sora is immediately like, ah, oh, garden quartz. <laughs> and the sword disappears. <laughs> and this is the point on my rewatch of this episode where I fucking lost it. <laughs> his characterization is so extremely clear it may sound like we are speaking of him to the point of parody but no his main thing is that he loves rocks it's so much more obvious on a rewatch when you notice all the little details of all the scenes just being extremely rock centric oh yeah <laughs> I mean, Endride really does feel like a toy anime, but the toy is rocks. Endride! Endride! Finally, the pet rock anime we've been waiting for! 
plainly an anime for the most boomer toy possible. Go outside, play with rocks. <laughs> you okay there? No, I'm not okay. Endride, more like Endrock. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you are you okay? I'm Can very you okay. This for a little more. No, we gotta move on. I know that's what I mean. Can you deal with us finishing this? I mean. Oh yes, of course. Okay. Sora is confused about that sword putting away actually working, and he's yelling at him. At he's yelling in a lot more unreasonable manner than I had initially remembered. And mm -hmm. Sinbad, he's like, Sinbad's going to like, follow me. And she's like, why are you running away from me? <laughs> What's going on here? What's happening? Who are you? They leave for some kind of secret passage in the rocks, which it is a button that just kind of makes the wall break. Oh, yeah. It is <laughs> Again, a very, like, one-use thing. It does not feel yeah. like a sliding secret entrance. <laughs> no. And then um, they walk into a forest where they bicker some more before they attacked by Leomon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sinbad explains that he's a member of the Zoo Clan and that it was his father? No, Delzane who must have sent him. By the way, it is Z-U, not Z-O-O. Yeah. The but... Zoo Clan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or the Clan for short. Oh, no. Ah. Uh, Simba tells Sora that he needs to, uh, go and brandish his weapon for the fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, he manages to pull out his weapon, and they actually manage to injure Leomon, but he gets very triggered by this, and he starts using his own weapon, which he uses to handily knock away both, uh, Sinbad and, uh, Sora, and they both get knocked into a river, where they get washed away, letting them escape. Mm -hmm. And then, like, a fish man goes and talks to <laughs> Leomon. <laughs> <laughs> This is not relevant for the rest of this episode, so I'm not focusing further on what they talk about. The sure. boys are washed away into some kind of sewer system? Yeah, like they swim into an aqueduct. Yes, where Sinbad has to save Sora from drowning. He drags him on land, and they banter a bit more about what's going on and who they are. And Sinbad explains that uh, he, there's this guy called Delzane. He's the villain of the story, mm -hmm. and he hates him. And then he, you know, exactly, this is something that came up before, but I for, uh, neglected to mention. He asks why a why someone from the surface has a warp relic. And yeah, mm. initially when Sora showed up in the cave, he also asked, are you from the surface? Now, initially I'd assumed this meant just, you know, from not in the dungeon, as in like crashing through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. But the surface seems to be them actually knowing about the real world, so to say, or rather like the vanilla world here. And uh, yeah, that's that's a fairly interesting plot element that gets introduced. Yeah, it would also they make do... a lot of sense since the Soul series is very rock for focused if <laughs> the world of uh, Enderado is in fact underneath the ground. Like if it is just no, underground. Like, you are remembering something wrong. This world is just called Endora. The ah. Eldorado pun is something we came up with on our own. Ah, I forgot. <laughs> you did forget. I've internalized <laughs> it so deeply. <laughs> you internalized it so deeply even though you will yet say it in this episode. Please be nice to Baby Thermite. He doesn't know. He doesn't understand. 
Uh, do be mean to adult Fermite though. Bully him about his bad remembering of what this world's called. No, but the actual pun is, of course, Endoraido. And this world is called Endora. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's what we learn. They climb out of this well. Sora says that he's not into this because they did climb out of a well without a ladder, which must have been fairly difficult. Yeah. And up at the top of the well, they meet a dragon baby thing, which <laughs> uh, shocks the shit out of um, Sora, more so than any other fantasy stuff that happens, it seems. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of other fantasy stuff. He's been attacked by a lion man in a forest. I mean, yeah, but he, when he gets attacked by Leomon, he does say, like, is that, a, is that a mask? So I don't think he's fully understood that, you know, fancy creatures exist. He pulled a magic sword out of his chest and then also it, like, made it disappear again with his thoughts, his thoughts alone. Just saying. Mm. Odd he might priority. have peace. And, yeah, there's a dragon and a girl. So we meet a mascot character and the third part of this, or should I say the third wheel of the Shonen Trio. <laughs> and she uh, says to Prince Sinbad that, uh, it's, uh, that she figured he would finally escape someday and that she was waiting here for him. And this is where, um, this is where Sora figures out that, uh, that Sinbad is also a prince of some description. So, uh, you know, more of the characters finding out about each other. Slowly, and... slowly walking towards that state of our two main characters knowing everything. <laughs> and that is the end for this ride. Because that's the end oh. of this episode. Yeah, the ED is very unnotable. Yeah, nothing, nothing really... To say about that here <laughs> yeah do you have anything else to note of uh, this episode because otherwise i think we can just uh, hand this off to baby thermite and baby zaku in case the two of them don't say it the um, effects are also very very cheap oh yeah really want to hammer uh, that one in one scene with really bad effects wasn't there oh yeah but in general like all the effects are a little off a little sketch oh and maybe i'm thinking of the scene from ari Ferreira. <laughs> like the Black Lightning? Was that an Ari Ferreira or was that an end ride? Uh, that was a neither. Really? What was the Black Lightning in? You are thinking of Mao Gakuen no Futeki Gosha, Shisho Saikyo no Mao no Shiso, Tensei Shite Shishon Tachi no Gako Ikayo. Oh no, that's in the future, past future! <laughs> Spoilers! Wait, this is it? That's that it! Was... Wait, that was 20 minutes? Yeah, it was Not 20 me. minutes. That didn't feel like 20 minutes. Yeah, it really flew by. Holy shit, that felt like five minutes. And they did pack in a lot. Like, we got the other world. We got a bit of looking around. Like, we got the general premise. We have the main it crew now. a lot of different scenes, but all of them felt so, like, so... Like, we got a lot of scenes, but uh -huh. none of the scenes had a lot of content in them. Sure. Like, we got, like, a fact. We got, like, very cleanly one scene that goes, like, a minute. Then we got one relevant fact about a character in that scene. Mm -hmm. And then we're moving on to the next scene. It's yeah. very, uh... It's very business-minded. It's very, uh... It's very, you know, facts-forward, I guess. Yeah. Um, I really like the term workmanlike to describe things that are, you know, like, they are. like yeah. Yeah, like, it's all put together well, but there's something missing. 
Workmanlike is, I think, the term that immediately comes to mind with this. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is definitely, definitely the first episode. Made. Yeah. But, like, wow, this is gonna be a short discussion, folks. Ah. <laughs> uh, ha. Okay. Well. Well, well, well. Thermite. Yes. What do you want to say about this episode? Please, I'm sure there's something tugging at your heartstrings, dying to get out. So, this is a 24-episode series, but it feels like it definitely is a, like, 96-episode series. It definitely feels like it's a very, very long-running series. Like, in... <laughs> I don't know. I think this feels like a three-episode series that gets packed in with, like, a serial. I can see that, but, like, it reminds me of all of the, like, definite, you know, tie-in, please buy this other thing cartoons I watched as a child. It has a lot of that, like, this is very, very simple, so it doesn't tax your small minds, but <laughs> you're also going to pack in, you know, just everything about the series in this first episode, so you really know what you're in for. Yeah, I feel like there would be a lot of fighting and a lot of people pulling out new, uh, warp relics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, like, the villain getting replaced seven times before episode 96 because we yeah. defeated the last one and find a new, more threatening villain. I also do find it interesting that within this first episode, we didn't see, like, an obvious gimmick to the warp relics. Like, there's no, like, button you hit to transform it or, like, you know, special finishing moves. So far, they have just been weapons that you pull out of your body and then fight with. Yeah, they all shoot energy beams, seemingly. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, they seem very... I feel like this this again feels feeds into the workman like aesthetic of this episode. Yeah. It's very much like you know, they you get what they're about. You get what they're about, but they're not about anything very complicated. Mm hmm And in the same way, uh the theme of stones or, you know, like gems didn't really carry through to anything specific here. It was mostly just they're very pretty, and... <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, put them in your chest, you can pull out magic weapons. <laughs> and Garden Quartz, of course, feels like there's an entire world within it. See, I like that at least because it's, like, at least a simile of some kind. Sure. Like, I feel uh, like that's going to come up a lot. I, 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 I feel like... I to get yeah. more fancy, fancy things like, oh, you know, a gem. It is pure and uncorrupted, and the light shining through it is reflected a thousandfold. Something like that, at least, but uh, it's, it's very straightforward so far. Yeah. We also had enough of, you know, uh, our main character's main world that I feel like we can definitely get quite a few flashbacks later on where he goes like, oh, I need to go back, or, you know, my, my parents, I, I need to stop this monster before it breaks out into the upper worlds, and then he has flashes of that time when he was studying, or that other time when he was buying a gem. <laughs> oh, man. See, on the one hand... Everyone on the surface world had such a non-character design, <laughs> like such an aggressive, like they might as well have been fucking faceless monogatari shadows. Oh yeah. For all intents and purposes. So that makes it feel like he won't come back. But by the sheer mention <laughs> of the fact that he knows what the surface is and that his dad just had the magic transporting crystal in his office like a paperweight, uh, well, not like a paperweight. It was definitely in a big glass case. Okay, right. But like, it was know, definitely on display. What I'm getting at is, mm -hmm. it, this feels like it could also just be a thing where he goes back and forth a lot. 
But I guess it might be the kind of thing we goes back and forth a lot, but none of the people we've seen in this episode matter. Yeah, like I think if any if we see anyone again, it's going to be his parents, and that's basically it. Yeah. 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 Uh, what else? What else? What else is there to say? The colors were nice, or rather, yeah. It's not that the composition or anything was particularly amazing, but it is just nice to see something that's very bright. This reminds me of like what I enjoyed about Marimashite Urumakun. It's just nice to see some color from time to time. I was expecting, I thought this might have been like an edgy thing, and no, this could be not be further from edgy. Yeah, it it makes me a little sad that when I look at something like this, I immediately go, this is definitely for the, you know, ages 8 to 10 crowd. Because I would like to see more anime that just has more color in it, but it doesn't have to be necessarily, like, you know, super artistic and vibrant. It just needs to have some color in it that isn't pastels. Yeah, like, you know, something that's, you know, just like bright and nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. also, I mean, just otherwise, all the weapons have a very Fisher Price feel to them. Oh yeah, it it one hundred percent feels like I could buy any of these for you know yeah. one year for the year that this was running, and after that you'll never see them again. Yeah, and you can swing them at people pretty harmlessly because they're big and hollow. <laughs> yeah, our main character's sword definitely has three buttons on it, and I feel like those definitely make sounds when you when you press them. <laughs> in the show or as a toy? Both. I imagine I in the show it's the show where a main character has a sword <laughs> which has buttons on it, but they <laughs> only make noises. They don't functionally do anything. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, apart from that, like there's not a whole lot of meat on these bones immediately to pull out. No, we cannot rip this apart like the vultures we are for content. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I don't want to dunk on it for that, because clearly this is not a first episode that is meant to be deeply dug into. It is, it is a, we're starting this journey, <laughs> and this journey isn't I, super descript. This is the fastest, I think, an episode one of an anime has ever felt to me. This was, this was so, so quick. This is like eating a chip that's mostly air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess okay. I will say at this point that uh, this, se uh, this series was by Brainspace and Lapan Track. Brainspace just because. I know Brainspace. Yeah, they do a ton of stuff. Like uh, Bakano, Natsume's Book of Friends, uh, Spice and Wolf, only season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natsume's Book of Friends is the one anime on the Mal Top 100 that I'm convinced no one's actually ever seen. <laughs> Uh, they're just uploading or they're just uploading it because they know people like it. Yeah. There's like four sef there's like seven seasons of that shit in like the top fifty. And I've <laughs> never heard of that before I went out as a joke to look at the Mal Top 100. Now to be fair, the reason I brought it up was not because I thought you knew it, but because I it is one of those series where if I say it, I know people are going to know it. But then again, I don't know if that's true. I hope the audience is aware of Not Space Book of Friends. Have we just collectively hypnotized ourselves into thinking that people like Natsume's Book of Friends? Perhaps we have. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, oh, they worked on Inspector. Oh, Inspector. This is one of those things where I did the Zaku thing, where it's like, wow, an anime is coming out for this time to read the manga. <laughs> so I've never seen what Inspector looks like, but Inspector was okay. 
marred with the fact that it had too much exposition. That, uh. So much exposition. <laughs> huh. Okay, so La Pen Track, which I didn't recognize by the name itself, is, like, they've only done four things, and two of those things were, uh, you know, works by Kunihiko Ikuhara, who you may remember as the guy who did Revolutionary Girl Utena. Oh, And, okay. you know, uh, specifically, La Pen Track worked on Yumakura Arashi and Sarazenmai. Yurikuma Arashi, of course, is lesbian uh, bear storm, which is all three of those things. And Sarazanmai was the one with, you know, the, it was the real gay one. Everyone knows that one. Yeah, that's what, that was pretty new. It was very popular. People were really touting the name again, and then people were like, what's Utena? It, it, this is such a weird lineup, because it is Yurikuma Arashi, Endride, Sarazanmai, and then Uchitama, have you seen my Tama? Which is a co-production with Mappa that based on a super old cartoon uh, about like cats, except the version they made is a version where the cats are all sexy boys. Oh, okay. Because Uchitama, have you seen my Tama? Also seems like something that would try to sell you a toy called a Tama. Yeah, I. Based on that by itself, I assumed it was going to be also, like, very ball-heavy, but no. It seems like these kind of, like, go between Kunihiku Ikuhara's, you know, super artsy out there anime and toy anime, maybe? That don't seem to have toys? <laughs> I mean, I guess both of those have a lot of colors in them. So I guess I, I get what Ikuhara would say, yeah, that's studio. But it's an interesting, uh, interesting split nonetheless. I mean, maybe this Honestly, is one of those situations... Looks, I'm surprised they didn't help work on Penguin Drum. Uh, they didn't exist when Penguin Drum was around. Like, they... You think it's, uh, it's got some staff crossover? Probably. Like, this definitely seems like a situation where, like, you don't just found yourself and immediately pick up Yurikuma Arashi. This had to have been a situation where a bunch of people he worked with wanted to found a studio, and he said, all right, I got a good idea. Let's go with this. <laughs> but Well, uh, at least you found out something very entertaining this episode. Yeah, this list really gives me the vibe of, you know, you gotta do one for the art and then one for the money. <laughs> it feels like Android and Uchitama were both for the money, which, considering I haven't heard of either of them, I don't know how for the money they were. Yeah, they seem less popular than the ones they did for the arts. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they really wanted to do Endride, and Ikuhara <laughs> said, all right, let me give you my very controversial show about lesbians that is a metaphor for the outcastness of, you know, lesbians in Japan, and you can use that to fund Endride. <laughs> <laughs> the lesbian agenda bringing you Endride. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to stretch this out too much, so I think it's time for the spicy, the nicey, and the isekaisi. Okay. Of course, starting off with the spicy. How spicy did you find this anime to be? How, you know, out there was it? How different was it? I'm going to give this a 4 out of 10. It has a lot of nice colors, but this is very by the books. Workmanlike was the word we used, and workmanlike is the word I'm going to use again. I'm gonna give it a 2 out of 10 <laughs> oh yeah okay this reminds me quite a bit actually of an anime called Spider Riders 
Now, <laughs> do go on. Uh, Spider Riders was a show about a boy. We might have it in our list, actually. I don't know. <laughs> it is also an isekai. <laughs> If we don't, we should have it on our list. Yeah, the, the mild premise, no real spoilers. This is all, you know, part of episode one. Spider Riders is about a boy who falls down a hole and ends up inside of the earth. And inside of the earth, uh, there are a bunch of very large spiders that look like mecha, but they are not mecha. They are biological spiders that just look like mecha spiders. Mm-hmm. And they are ridden by the Spider Riders, who are sort of like knights of this country that protect it from evil monsters. And so he uh, he lands on a spider that becomes his best friends. I believe it has alternate forms that gain that you know it gains when it powers up, and together they protect the you know the world inside of the worlds. You know what? I know this is probably not very great because you compared it to Android, but this sounds amazing. <laughs> I remember watching quite a bit of it, but I was also very young, so I don't know how good it is. I cannot tell you one way or the other what Spider Riders was like. I do remember having the, the same feeling, though, of everything is very bright and they look very toyetic, but I never saw a Spider Riders toy. But there must have been, right? There's no way there were not toy spiders that transformed into stronger toy spiders. <laughs> Man... I want to be watching Spider Riders. <laughs> well, if it's not on the list, put it on the list. But does it count if it's just a world inside the world? I guess this is... They did call it the surface in this, which might uh, back, back in the comparison. Yeah. I mean, we'll delve into this in a few moments, but before then, I should probably say how spi er, how nicey <laughs> this episode was. Were you going to say how spidey it was? <laughs> I was! <laughs> <laughs> if we end up doing spider riders we gotta replace the spicy rating with the spidey rating <laughs> <laughs> spidey rating <laughs> okay 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 well we did our spicy rating what's next for might uh next is our nicey rating how nice was this episode did we enjoy this as an episode of anime uh so hmm i'm struggling with i'm giving this a five or six this hmm. was very much like the definition of the word watchable, I mean, we watched it so fast. It was just over. Yeah. I didn't hate it, but I think it's more of a company that I enjoyed than the episode. So I'm going <laughs> to give it a five. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing right with this. Agreed. I will give it a solid five out of ten. This is something where I... If this was on television, I would definitely watch it, but not because it is great, but just because, you know, there, there's something there to look at. It's not offensive. It's not bad. It, it could go somewhere good, but as a person right now who has to download the next episode or stream the next episode, I will not do that. Yeah, not offensive really hits it on the head, isn't it? It's just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't see how anyone could be like turned off by this to an extreme degree yeah like i couldn't see it inspiring passionate emotions in people above the age of 14 yeah like i'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a parent who you know does not like fun and even then like i can't ding this for violence or anything like nothing about this is objectionable yeah well then, uh, it's our last rating film, right? How isekai was this? Now, this is where we can dig into the fact that 
based on what we know in episode one it for all like this could be another world the above ground thing could be a metaphor but it does sure seem like android or you know endora is just inside of earth or inside of the world that our main character lives on or maybe it's inside the crystal perhaps and it's on the surface of a crystal so it's in our world in the most literal sense mm. of the word in but not on our world now here's the thing it can't be that crystal because that crystal went inside of our main character maybe this is like a mobius loop thing and that's why our main character will be special ah because he has the entire world that he is in inside of himself that concept would be way too cool for this show <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I could see the, the big, you know, thing being that he has to protect himself because all the villains want to fight him in order to destroy the world that is inside of his heart. <laughs> Literally. I would be so charmed if this was like the frog fractions of anime. <laughs> I mean, again, this is and a studio. It seems to have been found in order. This is mm -hmm. Ikuhara's secret side project. And you just... <laughs> slowly get a drip fed as this becomes more and more wacky. <sighs> so, the person who directed the series was uh, Keiji uh, Goto, who seems to just kind of direct anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got a lot here. The first thing he did was in-between animation for Thundercats. <laughs> I see. Did a lot of in-between animation. He did uh, Ray Earth. Most of what he did actually is like like animation direction as opposed to like straight up normal direction hmm. i see but yeah he does not seem like the kind of person who is very you know it seems like he does it for the money or at the very <laughs> least you know like he does it because he wants to you know work in the in the system as opposed to because he wants a very specific thing to exist like even ikuhara like ikuhara sure did some things for the money like he worked on sailor moon but at the same time you know there's a lot of his influence on sailor <laughs> moon like, there's a lot of, you know, girls who look like lesbians and act like lesbians and are, in fact, lesbians. And then he wrote Utena right afterwards in order to really express what he was trying to do in Sailor Moon, even though he did not write Sailor Moon. Yeah, well, I think you can definitely tell whenever something has influence of someone with a strong obsession. Yeah. With that be with a specific thing or uh, with a general concept... You can tell that Hirohiko Araki has obsessions, and you mm -hmm. can tell that Ikohara has an obsession, yeah. and you can tell that whoever made this does not actually have any kind of obsession with crystals. Yeah. Somebody made it and said, what's the theme? Crystals, I guess. <laughs> and oh. I think that's really what, what it comes down to for me. I just realized the game is, of course, Endride Fragments because, you know, it, it's fragments of a crystal that you then have to pay in-game money in order to collect. That's got to be it, uh, right? Like, the, so you basically knuckles the echidna in this game, <laughs> collecting the fragments of the Master Emeralds to put this in easier terms. Ah, thank you. That, that is a metaphor I can understand. No problem. I'm always there for you, buddy. Okay. Oh my, how fucking isekaisi is this? <sighs> oh yes, we had a, a thing that we were doing. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> hmm. uh, I feel like this also has to be a 5 out of 10, in the sense that 
our main character did in fact go to another world i i feel like i'm going to inherently have to compromise whenever we have another world that is you know like a vr game or literally inside of the earth because there's some sort of weird part of me that does not want to accept that it's another world even though it is you know for all intents and purposes it is directed as another world but yeah my my heart my inner soul refuses to give it a perfect you know score because of that that said like this wasn't this was an episode that's focused a lot on the human you know the normal quote-unquote world before we went to Endorado. Uh, let me, was, let me actually yeah. check. I want to see at what timestamp we went to Andorra. Yeah. Or rather, I guess we can't nail down a specific timestamp because... Yeah, because okay, we do cut between them. at the halfway point that our main character goes to Andorra, and that's where we have our main, main Andorra scenes too. Like, mm -hmm. even the uh, fight scene between the king and the prince is uh, at the halfway point. So we actually did spend half this episode in the normal world. Yeah, which I do... Except, like, I like it. I like the fact that the world, the modern world is a little bit into the future. We had a tiny little bit of world building with, I you know, the phones actually, and stuff. Actually, uh -huh. you know what? You know what? Tangent. Sure, please. What do you think of calling it? I think it's very interesting that we've went through at least five different uh, titles of saying normal world, human world, real mm. world, and surface world. I always think it's interesting in a series with multiple worlds. What do we call, you know, world vanilla world, world standards? Because yeah, you you got a lot of you got, like you know, there's actually a lot of subtle implication with what you go with. Yeah. Because you can go with stuff like human world and real world, mm. which are very loaded in and of themselves. Yeah. Whether and differently loaded depending on whether characters in the series use them or we even outside use them, especially with a world like real world. And personally, I, actually... mm -hmm. I, I, I do want to also state that I don't like calling worlds Earth if we do not expressly have information stating this is Earth or like, you know, the people in this world call it Earth. Because even if, you know, a lot of series do like heavily imply this is just the world you, the reader, live in and just assume that. At the same time, there are some series that do pull the twist later on of that world is not, you know, you can't use it as a stand-in for the world that the reader lives in. It is fundamentally different in some way. Mm -hmm. So, like, Earth is definitely not great. And as you said, there are a lot of other terms that are very heavily loaded, which I would like to avoid. So, like, yeah, like, I don't know. There's, there's, that's the thing, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of things you can call it. And ultimately, I would like to go over the terms in the series. But actually, it's very hard because, yeah... It's very easy to interchangeably use the terms because they are so often used interchangeably. Hmm. Now, I would. Hmm. I, I might. I would like to pause it carefully. I would like to pause yeah, it okay. that for the term, like for this podcast, we refer to the world that the main character comes from as the Sakai. I don't know if I can keep that up without repeatedly saying that through like. He clenched teeth every time I have to say it. <laughs> to be fair, as I said out loud, I did realize that the Sakai, it sounds a lot like Isekai, which may be a problem in an audio-only medium. I think we can go for something that's a bit clearer. So I, I, I uh, nominate Vanilla World. Okay. Yeah, because... That is loaded a little bit, but at the same time, like, it gets across clearly 
what we think of that world. It is a vanilla world. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the now, uh, here's the other question. question. Would come into it. Uh -huh. What we would call vanilla world in uh, something like uh, Demon King, because I think vanilla world is pretty um is pretty confidently there to describe a real world analog rather than the world the main character is from, and it's like in its like implication. Hmm. Because vanilla implies like non specialness. And the non-special world in something like uh, a demon is a part devil is a part-timer is very decidedly the world he goes to rather than one he comes from. True. Like, the whole premise of that is that he is going from a fantasy world to a vanilla world. And I do not want to imply that, like, to me, that is not a reverse isekai. That is an isekai. Hmm. But at the same time, it would feel very... It would feel very hipster for us to state then that vanilla world is the demon world. Yeah, vanilla world, I want our words to be, I think we can definitely use the term vanilla world to just mm -hmm. refer to the closest thing to a real world analog that we get. But yeah. we need a separate second term, thermite. This is a podcast where we love words. It is. How about origin worlds? Origin world. Sounds good. I think we can go with Origin World. Because I think also that has the implication of for our main character, that is, you know, the Origin World. So if we end up in a series where people come from multiple other worlds or, you know, there's more like world hopping involved, we are still clearly stating this is, you know, that's Origin World. That is the world from which our main character comes from, not necessarily the world from which all characters come from. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, so mm -hmm. now we've come up with some cool anime terminology for a podcast. Please, when we say origin world and vanilla worlds, uh, please imagine those with like quotes around them or those, or you know, and brackets, whatever you prefer. Yeah, something that makes it look very cool and very much, you know, it is terminology that you are using. We yes. want this podcast to have terminology and words that are unfamiliar to outsiders. Please, every time we say the word words we want you to also put it in quotes as if it means something that isn't the meaning of the word words yes we are saying capital w words also in my mind it is capital w capital s words yeah words like you know like it's very clearly like in italics in a sentence like mm -hmm. someone is talking about it and it's like it's them they are using words you should imagine words in stand brackets italics and also it is a different font from the font you imagine all of us to be speaking in right now <laughs> yes imagine we are like a 2002 subgroup subbing words with a character specific fonts if it's as if it's our special attack and yes. it's like in a fancy color and animated you can hardly read it much like and the widest subs are yellow <laughs> Much like the Wybus subs for One Piece back in the day, in which every character would have a unique font. However, that font would only be like specific to their abilities for much later characters. Whereas like someone like Luffy would have just a big blue font that has nothing to do with his abilities, but it's just big and blue. Yes. Yeah. So now that we've sufficiently painted a picture with our words. <laughs> I think I'm gonna rate I think I'm just gonna agree with your rating so we can leave this godforsaken podcast episode behind. Thermite. 
what are we talking about on our next episode? Ah, yes. Next week, we will be watching The Misfit of Demon King Academy. History's strongest Demon King reincarnates and goes to school with his descendants, which is also known in Japanese as Mao Gakuen no Futeki Gosha, Shisho Saikyo no Mao no Shisho, Tensei Shitse, Shishon Tachi no Gakko Ikayo. <laughs> I would also like to state that when we bring up the uh, title in the next episode, I will be saying the full thing. Zaku has not agreed to this. However, I will agree to this using my words. I will see you in another world.